You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 428, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Irina Nazarova is the CEO of Evil Martians, a consulting company known as authors of PostCSS, AnyCable, Image Proxy, and many blog posts and tutorials. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, Irina. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. It's actually my first English-speaking podcast. And yeah, I'm joining you from Lisbon, Portugal. That is incredible. I am so excited to have you on the show. So, Irina, what is your developer origin story? All right. So let me tell you a story. So several years ago, a friend of mine asked me if I could help him build an online store for the retail chain he was running. And I just closed my second startup. I didn't have a job, didn't have any savings and any other options. So I said, yes, totally. And I hired a designer, developers, and I was supposed to be the product manager there. And what happened is that I was immediately hit by this bus factor problem where my Rails engineer left and I couldn't find anyone else and just had no other options rather than writing the code myself. Now, I had some experience. I used to be a C++ engineer back in the university years, and my first startup was a Scala app. And I had a little experience with Ruby, but that was it. Very, very limited. And I was spending days doing this product management job and nights with Ruby, writing this application with third-party integrations and a pretty complex one. And it worked. We launched it. Surprisingly, people could use it. It generated revenue for the retail chain. And it was a relief and it was really something where I thought, wow, I could do so much with so little knowledge of Ruby. So I loved it. That's fantastic. And it just shows that when you're trying to learn something, I mean, you are clearly under pressure of having yeah. to launch this application. And so... I'm curious, like, did you just try to write code? Were you reading tutorials? Like, how did you learn? Yeah, totally, totally. Actually, I built a super simple Rails app before using a tutorial. And now I was looking into different materials, tutorials and blog posts, like looking for some advice, but mostly just trying it out. Well, we mentioned in the bio that you are now currently the CEO of Evil Martians, which is incredibly cool. So we're going to ask a question that we haven't asked on the podcast before. What is your origin story of becoming a CEO? So when I joined Evil Martians five years ago, I think the company just started to evolve. We were moving from something like 20 engineers to 40 and we needed some changes. And one of the changes that was needed was that we needed to share expertise on the team with the new Martians. And we felt that we couldn't afford it, that we couldn't afford spending time internally on ourselves. And then I thought that it wasn't that we couldn't afford it. It was that we didn't know if we could afford it or not. And I started collecting some data to figure it out at the beginning. And then yeah, doing other things just to support this change that was happening. Just like that, I think the founders saw the value in that and offered me the job to support this change. That's so cool. Yeah. So you were basically taking on an operations role, like you were helping out with various tasks 
And so that really proved that you had the mindset in order to run the company. Yeah, I think it's just that as an entrepreneur in the past, I was doing whatever was needed for the company that I felt was right, that I felt was needed. And I will say now that we do invest in ourselves and we have clarity about what we can afford, now it helps in our relationships with the clients because we bring more, we provide kind of higher level services and we partner with our clients, I think on a higher level. So let's take a step back and tell me all about Evil Martians. What are the goals of the company? So Evil Martians is a product development consultancy that is helping tech startups and tech companies solve their problems, either accelerate their growth or sustain their growth on technical and product levels. And we are always trying to solve the problems of the business rather than ship the code and features. And listeners may know us as the authors of Autoprefixer, PostSSS, Inkable, RubyNext, TestProf, and ImageProxy and LeftHook, and actually many more. So the company is fully distributed. We have offices in Brooklyn, in Lisbon, here with me, and Osaka. And we've been around for 15 years, and we've been contributing to open source since the beginning. So I'll mention that back in the days, like one of the Martians created Parser that is still being kind of actively used even by us. And yeah, we are just passionate about sharing the knowledge and contributing to the community and to the technologies that we are using ourselves. What is a typical client request that you would get? It's either purely technical, like performance improvements, maybe they started growing and the app needs performance improvements or dealing with architectural complexity, maybe converting monoliths into components or separating services. Or it can be on product level where we help tech companies speed up their go-to-market. And we don't just build and launch and go. We are trying to set our clients for success beyond our collaboration. So make sure they can, will grow sustainably beyond our collaboration. So we bring certain patterns, certain tools, we write documentation, we train. So we support our client to make sure they grow after we leave. What would be a request that you'd be really excited to take on? Do you typically like get excited when a client is open to using Ruby and Ruby on Rails? Does it matter? And Do you enjoy working on brand new applications or do you like helping with like a legacy application that's already doing well? We are definitely excited when clients are looking to build new Ruby on Rails applications, but we are also excited when someone is looking to use our open source, our products. And like to some extent, it's this culture on the team that is even more important, I think, than the choice of technologies. It's when you feel that the client's team is engaged, driven, and looking to have you as their partner in this, that's the best. This episode is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. This low overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers find and fix performance issues. Scout's intuitive UI and tracing logic ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code 
and allows you to quickly pinpoint and resolve issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's unlimited seats and applications allow teams to collaborate without additional costs and makes it easy for any member of your team to become a performance pro. See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash Ruby on Rails. So we talked about all the open source projects that Evil Martians currently contributes to. It's absolutely incredible, honestly. But I want to target one specifically. So how does any cable fit into the mission of Evil Martians? Yeah, any cable is just incredible, I think. Any cable is, yeah, it's the secret of how Evil Martians build performance real-time applications with Ruben Rails. And yeah, we share it with everyone. So I think we build any cable with the idea that in 2022, building real-time functionality like instant updates, communication, collaboration is essential for every app. And you got to be able to build it in the comfort of your core framework, not sending your data somewhere else to some third party. And Rails provides that. We have Action Cable and we have Hotwire for instant HTML updates. The only problem is that Ruby is not best suited for dealing with this real-time load. And in our experience, it quickly becomes the bottleneck. That's where any cable comes in and kind of solves this. It's this super fast, super efficient Golang server that deals with this load beautifully and kind of scales efficiently. So yeah, I just love the idea of any cable as something that allows you to build real-time functionality natively in your Rails beautiful framework, right? That Rails is. And how it fits, this is the most interesting, I think, because Evil Martians is a consulting company, is, is our present. That's what we do. But our dream is a bit different. Our dream is that Evil Martians is not just a consulting company, but also a product company that is using its experience working with 20 or 30 product and engineering teams every year, using this experience to build tools to make their lives better, to make those teams more productive. And we've been doing this with our open source tools, but we also started commercializing some of those products in order to invest more in them, make them even more simple to use and more accessible for everyone, not just for the experts, so to say, but for everyone. And I believe this is where we can accumulate expertise and turn it into products for developers, for engineering teams and product teams. And this is a dream, really. I am silently clapping right now because that is so great because it's one of the answers to when people nervously choose Ruby on Rails to build a business and to be able to scale it out. There's always that fear of like, what if I get to that certain level and I can't keep up with the load? And I love that in cable could be an answer for that. Now, you've come out, you know, you talked about commercial products in possibly sustaining Evil Martians as a product-driven company, which I think is so cool. Do you feel your approach with Any Cable Pro, which is your commercialized version of Any Cable, 
Do you feel that you have found a solution for sustainable open source? Anycable Pro is relatively young. It's just one year old. So I can't really tell that we are making huge amounts of money on it. But what I can tell is that Anycable and Anycable Pro, they are both bringing us quite substantial consultant revenue, like a considerable part of our consultant revenue is kind of triggered by Anycable and Anycable Pro. For example, one of our clients, StackBlitz, they are doing this browser-based IDE and development environment with web containers and crazy stuff. So amazing client, and they initially reached out for Anycable and Anycable Pro, as far as I remember. So I'd say it also helps us develop the open source because it's not huge. It's Vladimir Dementiev, this kind of amazing, talented, super talented engineer. It's mostly his work that is driving any cable and any cable pro. But because we are able to dedicate his time right to that, he can now do more for the open source. And by the way, we released this optimization for Hotwire and Turbo Streams. That was initially a part of the pro and we open sourced it because we realized it makes sense to have that functionality in the open source for everyone so that people using Hotwire will feel safe that they can use open source any cable as a performance solution for them if they fear that there will be too much load on their servers. How has the open source community responded to all of Evil Martians' open source contributions? Do you have developers outside of Evil Martians also contributing in, or does it tend to be very specific to, I, do you call each other Martians? How do you refer to each other? Yeah, it's the Martians, I guess. So we do have some contributors, that's for sure. And I will mention Left Hook, by the way. Left Hook is a really this community-driven project, I think. By the way, the one I mentioned at the beginning, Parser, is the very kind of community-driven project where it was written by a Martian back in the days. Now it's been maintained by someone else. And yeah, it's the community now supporting it. And I think Vladimir Dimitrov is contributing to it a lot, but because he's using it for the next, I guess. But the community is definitely there. And with Left Hook, the community is helping us understand where, you know, what to add, which problems to solve. So yeah, they are opening issues, which is also cool. So at least you feel that people use it and you feel that people want it to get better. And that's nice. But I'd still say that it still requires a lot from the author or from the team of authors to, first of all, take it off the ground and then to coordinate this community. By the way, Andre Sitnik, he's like the pro in that, I think, because his post-CSS has an ecosystem. It has plugins and stuff. And to be honest, I'm not really looking into it that much, but um, I think there are more contributors to post-CSS than to probably everything else the Martians build. So my next question for you is something that I ponder a lot myself because as the listeners know, I'm currently an engineering manager and I manage some incredibly talented developers. And so I'm curious, Irina, with your technical background, how has that helped you with being the CEO of Evil Martians, especially since you've mentioned countless developers already on this show that have just committed really great work? 
So if the question is, if I'm using my technical background, being the CEO, then I'd say not really, because yeah, I'm not really trying to, to somehow show off my ability to code. On the contrary, I'm specifically not looking into the code most of the time. And I've never written any code in client projects because I want the engineers to feel that I trust them completely and I'm not looking over their shoulders and stuff. So this work is different from being an engineering manager where you are involved in the engineering process itself. I mean, directly you got to give feedback, you got to discuss different solutions. But in my role, I want engineers to feel that I trust them on the first place. And then what's I think what's important is that I have some engineers that I have are, we can call them stars, and they are extremely talented and amazing personalities and super supportive individually. But to make a team out of them is a specific challenge, I think, because it's a team of those super ambitious people. And what helped me, I think, was the idea that I shouldn't be intimidated by anyone. So this means that if I feel that someone is sort of not doing the right thing, I will go and say it. And people actually feel calmer, feel more comfortable when they know that there is someone who is able to correct other people when they are wrong, despite their other, despite them being superstars or something like that. So my role is kind of this person who's still involved in that he's wrong, but that's all right. I love the term stars. Thank you for not using the term 10x developer. So I'm already thank you there. (laughs) But I agree. It is a real challenge when you have a couple of really talented developers who might not necessarily want to work in a team. But that's the only way that you're going to get things done. And we don't want to have open source projects or client projects that depends only on one developer because we talked earlier in the episode about bus factor and you don't want that to happen at your own company. So I love that mentality for sure. Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. And to me, connecting developers and startups has been the best job in the world. When I founded Mirror Placement in 2006, I didn't know anything about recruiting other than what I had learned while growing my software agency. My developer colleagues really disliked recruiters. And since developers are just about the nicest people I know, I thought, what could recruiters be doing so badly that causes my good-natured friends to despise them so much? And it turned out a lot. Their horror stories included tales of jobs and companies that didn't exist, of recruiters not sharing the name of the company they were recruited for, and frequently, the anonymous, well-funded tech startup whose job descriptions sounded a lot like a word salad of technical buzzwords. I learned about having your resume spammed out to a dozen of companies without your consent. I heard of last-minute salary and title changes after many hours of invested time and interviewing. And I have to admit, when I listened to all of these tales, I couldn't help but think, it could be so much better. So I gave it a shot. And thanks to you, 16 years later, it is better. You've shown that radical transparency works and that for developers and startups, pursuing long-term relationships at the expense of short-term transactions is always the right call. 
Together, we've made a difference at hundreds of startups, and seeing careers blossom and startups change the world has been a great privilege. And I am so thankful to you for giving me this seat and to Brittany for sharing this podcast. So I just wanted to say thank you for allowing me to help accelerate your career and your startup and to know that I'm rooting for you in the next step of your journey. Thanks. So I have to ask, we've talked about Ruby and Rails a couple of times around Evil Martians, but overall, like how committed is Evil Martians to Ruby and Rails? Or do you think that it doesn't matter the technology at this point? It's funny, I remember the last, I don't know, two or three years, we've been internally discussing if Ruby is dead and it's like, it's been discussed everywhere. And yeah, I just decided that, okay, it's dead and we are zombies in the afterlife or something. So Evil Merchants is not a purely Ruby on Rails company. We build projects with Golang, Node.js and other stuff. And any cable is a Golang project, right? And image proxy and left hook. And also there is this thing that we are committed to choosing the technologies for the task. So it's not that Ruby on Rails is the solution for every task in the world. That's not true. But we are choosing and we continue choosing Ruby on Rails for the building the new products, especially customer facing, for its unparalleled developer productivity. And we are super excited about Rails 7. And we see our clients being excited about Rails 7. And we see clients kind of switching back to this new updated Rails way, which I personally like very much. And yeah, I'm hoping that the tools we build, the open source we contribute to, they also support this ecosystem and support this framework. That's such a great way to look at it. Well, we have a little bit of extra time. So I want to ask you about one other thing that you are interested in, and that is AppScript. So I will confess to you, I don't know anything about it. So can you explain, <laughs> you know, what that is and why you love it? <laughs> totally, totally. If you ask me if I write code myself, I will say I write AppScript code like every week, I think. It is this automation scripting language that Google Documents is using in their ecosystem. It's something that you can use to automate your internal processes if you're using Google Drive or Google Documents or something like that. So it's just a normal JavaScript. I don't really know how to write JavaScript applications, to be honest, but writing app script is super easy. I don't know. It just saves you a lot of time when you want to automate some operational tasks and you don't want to buy some crazy software from some like crazy huge enterprise provider or even if it's some fancy startup just because our company is a small international company so we are small but we are international it means that pretty often the software that is available on the market doesn't feed us and yeah i'm building things like internal bi tools like business intelligence or just automating how you take a vacation in the company using app script. That is so cool. I am definitely <laughs> going to have to dig into it and I will definitely put some show notes out there for the listener. <laughs> so Irina, how can listeners follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's I Nazarova, like my last name, but I want to ask you to do something better instead. 
And I want to ask the listeners to donate to the funds supporting people in Ukraine. As you know, people are suffering in Ukraine from the Russian aggression unimaginably. And we can help and we can make a difference. And I will ask Brittany to link to big US-based funds that are sending money to Ukraine, to different initiatives. And if you want to sign up for monthly donations, that'd be best. And please check if maybe you have an employer matching. That is also very common. So yeah, let's do it together. I appreciate that so much because I want to help, but I know that there are so many links out there that are nefarious and probably aren't getting funds Mm -hmm. to people Mm -hmm. who need it. And so you provided me two links that we'll put in the show notes. I'll have a special section in the show notes for that. But I completely agree. We need to support our fellow developers and people in Ukraine that need help. So we'll definitely do that. I have enjoyed this conversation so much and I am so hoping, please tweet at us. I'm hoping that we've inspired at least one person out there who wants to be a CEO and has heard your story about how you made it to that level, which is so cool. So thank you so much, you know, as well for listening to the show yourself. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, thank you, Brittany. I really enjoyed it as well. And I love your podcast. And thank you for bringing different developers and different people to it, like females and others who do not necessarily fit this image of an engineer that we all still have, I think, inside. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.